bless you. We are here to have a discussion, cop to cop. Uh, I'm Pastor Andrew Columbia, and I have with me a special guest, my good friend. He's a police officer, New York City police officer. He's also a pastor for V1 Church in Queens, Queens, New York. Uh, Edwin Perez. Edwin, good to have you today. God bless you. Hey, God bless you, Pastor Andrew. Thank you so much for having me here. It is an honor, and um, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, yes, we did. but we're on. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop us, man. We're, we're, we're going to do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, let me just start by saying this. You, know, you, you had me on your broadcast, I think it was about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago. That's right. And, and we talked about my testimony um, about how I came to the Lord and how I was a, an angry, mean, prejudiced cop and um, how God got a hold of my heart and changed me. And, and since then, since that conversion, my attitude changed, my mindset changed, everything changed, my policing changed. So the heart of God came into my heart and made me a new person. And that's what the Bible tells us happens when we're truly born again, born in spirit. And um, this time I want to interview you, you being a, okay. a pastor <laughs> and also a police officer, but you're an active police officer. You are in the thick of it right now Yeah, um, in New York City. That's right. So with everything that's going on right now in the city, um, l- let me just let you give yourself a formal introduction to, to those sure. who are joining us and tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I want to get into asking you some questions about how things are going on the job right now. So why don't you uh, give a little introduction? Sure. Uh, well, I'm... Currently a police officer. I've been a police officer. My anniversary date was July 1st. So I hit 17 years um, as a police officer. Uh, started off working in uh, Brooklyn North and um, was there for a few years. That was probably one of the most hardest years just because of um, the, the area where, where I worked. It was very busy. They called it an A-house uh, a house means that it's just uh, the seven major crimes are actively, you know, there all the time. And uh, now I'm inside now, so I'm not out there on the streets as much. And uh, but 17 years I've been on, so I've seen a lot. Um, and being a Christian, a pastor, and a cop at the same time is like it's it's uh, it could wear it could wear on you. So um, I'm learning the rhythms of that. I'm growing in that and um, yeah, just learned a lot in the process. So that's where that's where I, I've been at. So, OK, well, well, let me start by asking this. I see some people are starting to come on now. And, um, you know, what's happening in law enforcement throughout the United States? I know um, I, I had a support group here in our community in Carmel, New York, and I'm friends with a lot of police officers, retired and active. And I talked to a lot of police officers' wives, and they are struggling right now mm. with a lot of different things. Yeah. They're struggling with fear, uh, safety, because of some of the threats that have been made against police officers and their families. They're, they're struggling with trying to help their husbands um, cope with, with what they're dealing with on the job. So obviously your job affects your family life. Yeah. And it's all interconnected. So, yeah, you know, you being a pastor, uh, an active police officer dealing with what's going on now, what do you think 
is, is the biggest issue that the officers have to face right now. And I'm going to jump off real quick and get back on this. I'm going to turn off my uh, sound over here. So give me a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you know, honestly, to, to answer that, that's, uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> like, so, I mean, we could definitely talk about the politics of the job. Um, but I think, you know, I know for the first couple of years, my wife had to endear all that, me working crazy hours. Um, and just so maybe some of you are, are watching here today and you don't um, necessarily know how a police officer functions, um, they miss holidays, they miss time with their family. Uh, there's a mental uh, barricade that's there sometimes. There's uh, tunnel vision. There's so many attributing factors that go into it that it doesn't affect you, but it, it affects the totality of the family. Um, so I've missed many birthdays. I've missed many weddings. I've missed many barbecues. Uh, sons, my, you know, I have two boys, so I've, I've missed some of their birthdays. So, you know, it, it is, it does weigh heavy on you from the family aspect. Um, um, I can't speak for all police officers, but I could just speak to myself in regards to the climate has definitely changed in the country um, regarding police officers. And I know we're going to get more um, into that later, uh, but, um, you know, we are human like everybody else. God created us in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And, um, you know, this profession comes with a lot of territory. Uh, it comes with administrative side of it, comes with the law side of it and trying to do all at once um, and do it. We have to do our job to the T um, any uh, deferment and we face repercussions. Uh, it, it's a lot. Uh, it weighs heavy on our heart. And, um, you know, I don't think no police officer goes out there and says, listen, you know, I'm going to take out my gun today or I'm going to. Uh, write this many tickets or I'm going to make sure I, I go after this specific person. Um, you know, like I, said, I can't speak for all of them, but uh, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, the, the regular things that come with the job, a lot of people don't understand that, that, that don't have law enforcement in their family, you know, the work in the holidays, the, the over, you know, different yeah. shifts and, you know, not taking the job home when you're dealing with traumatic events and, and stuff on a regular basis and you don't want to scare your wife or your kids learning how to decompress all this stuff. That, that's a heavy load for a lot of people to carry. And, and some officers do better at it than others. And um, sometimes they turn to things like drinking and yeah. you know, um, different habits, bad habits to uh, cope as coping mechanisms. Yeah, that's so, good. You know, me and you, we have the Lord. So, so we understand uh, you know, God is our, is our coping mechanism. We don't go to the bottle, we go to the Lord. <laughs> And uh, and we see God and that's that's what gives us the strength. But the climate today, you know, I don't watch the news much. I, I only watch it for about a half hour a day just to know what's going on, to get a sense of what's happening. And to be quite honest with you, even as a Christian, mm. when I watch it for longer than that, I start getting angry. I start getting frustrated. Mm. There's just so much chaos going on right now in the news. Yeah. And. You know, we live in New York, so, you know, I, I watch New York news yeah. and we're hearing stuff that's going on with law enforcement yeah. and we're seeing things. We're seeing clips of, yeah. uh, you know, guys jumping on police cars, spray painting precincts, yeah. you know, all, all the, how, well, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, how, 
is is the order to stand down right now? Is I mean, are the cops told to just be out there and 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 just stand down? I mean, what's going on as far as what yeah. the order is on what to do with some of these looting and rioting and stuff like that? What's what is actually happening with that? Do you know? Can you give us any insight with that? Yeah, well, um, I could I could tell you the heart of police officers. I can't really speak into what leadership is actually doing. Um, I wish I was there <laughs> to be in those conversations because I, I, I'll be able to put in my two cents. But I really feel um, that, uh, you know, it, it really has to do with the policies that police officers are held to a standard. And now the standard is high, which I do agree with um, that everyone should be held accountable. Everybody should have a standard. They should they, there should be be that. Um, but as far as how, what police officers are feeling right now, they are, they're feeling a sense of, I don't want to do anything anymore because, um, the mayor doesn't have my back or the commissioner doesn't have my back. And police officers are feeling, uh, a kind of sense of betrayalment. They are feeling b betrayed by those, um, that are leaders right now. And, um, you know, it's it, it's a hard thing uh, because leadership is like a pyramid. If if the top is um, um, undecisive or on the top, if there are uh, different um, arguments and there's back and forth, and that's where it's been on the. If you watch the news, there's this back and forth between powers. Um, so you know, whenever you have that struggle, you're gonna have those that are under you on the on that pyramid struggle along to understand what is going on so all i know is that uh, police officers are feeling um the tension and um they don't want to risk uh their lives and i'm just keeping it real cops don't want to risk their lives out there uh if the administration is not going to back back them um you know and we've we've we're seeing that now and um you know hopefully there's going to be some resolution uh, and some change in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you know, what we're seeing and, and what I'm hearing now also about, uh, many New York city police officers putting in for early retirement or retiring yeah. that, um, you know, that's gotta be affecting the job. I mean, your job, oh, yeah. the New York city police department has what almost 40,000 officers. Yeah. And, so, um, and it's getting shorter and shorter. Is, it's getting shorter and shorter every day. <laughs> Yeah, and, and now with the vesting out too, so guys can say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna vest out, you know. So the stress and pressure obviously is affecting everyone. And um, as I mentioned to you before, you know, I've talked with some police wives who are really struggling with trying to help their husbands. I mean, some of the ones in our community here were asking me, can we do something? Can we do a, a march or a rally? Can we do? Yeah. Um, something and i said yeah we're going to do a special service yeah at our church and i invited you to come and be one of the guest speakers at that on september 13th honoring our heroes just to give hope and encouragement to law enforcement because yeah. the job is hard enough the pressures and stress of what you see on the street and then going home yeah and trying to be a good husband and a good father um, i've had some of the wives tell me you know my husband's a big tough guy and he just comes home and cries he, he's mm. wept um, just not knowing how to cope with what he has to deal with going out yeah. and, and going in the streets without having the support of, of the supervisors or the support of the higher ups on the job. Yeah. It's, it's really taken a toll on police officers, families. No, it is. Um, 
And for those of you are watching, uh, you know, if you guys have any questions, you could actually put your questions in the comments. Yeah, um, we, we, are, we are watching the comments. So um, I know all questions, ask them. Um, this is the time to, to do it. If you have a particular, you know, you don't know how a particular procedure is, at, is um, administered, uh, just please ask away. We want to be able to, we, we want to be able to find peace um, in, in this chaos. Um, so I guess, you know what, just to give you, yeah, the mind of a police officer is complex, you know, because we're called to be doctors, we're called to be psychologists, we're called to be therapists. Um, when we are in the, um, in the thick of it, in the scene, we have limited training. Everyone thinks that we have all this police training. Uh, the reality is that um, we don't have enough. Um, there's something called uh, perception reaction time where we have a certain amount of time to react before the threat is there. And that usually ranges between 0.7 to 1.5 seconds. Wow. Now, if you think about that, that is not a, a lot of time. So there's this tension between action and reaction that police officers have to face in every domestic dispute, every car stop, every gun run. Um, and, and the reality is that, you know, cops don't, wake up and say, I'm going to be racist today. But the reality is that it's the institution that has failed to promote the ideology of shared authority among the marginalized that we po police. Now you're talking to a Hispanic, um, you know, I'm, you know, I grew up in East New York. Um, I faced uh, racism, you know, as, as, uh, just growing up in, in East New York and by police growing up in So I understand the trauma of that. Um, but yeah, so I just want just to speak a little bit about the mind, how it's so, so complex to, to be a police officer, especially during this time. Yeah. You know, we, we talked last time about, you know, my coming from a white neighborhood, coming from a suburban community, working in the inner city. Um, there's a disconnect. And when I first, started working in the inner city, you know, I was brought up very different than what I saw and experienced, which affected me personally and also affected how I responded or acted on the job. Now that's a reality. And, and yeah. a lot of times we don't want to talk about this. Mm. You know, if you grow up in a different environment or a different culture and, and you're immersed in a new culture and a new environment, for me, it was culture shock. Yeah. And, and for a lot of police officers, that, that go from one environment to another, there's there's culture shock and there's a disconnect. So yeah. until you that, get seasoned and, that, and you learn good. the job and you learn the community and and you you know you you get a little bit more mature in that's, what you're doing, um, a lot of times it's at that early stage where, where people do things yeah. that they shouldn't do or um, they react, like you said, that react response time. You know, when, when you're when you're put into a situation where you only have a few seconds to make a decision and, and you're afraid or you're not sure, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, and, and that's it. That's an issue. I mean, I don't know how you get around that. I mean, that's just <laughs> a part of learning the job and grow. You, you have to learn and that's a part of the growth process. But as a police officer, you, you, are, you have a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to speak into that because, um, you know, when you look at the stats, so I'm looking at 2019, uh, we have about 8 million people here in New York City. Uh, right. About 
almost 3 million are considered white or non-Hispanic. Almost 2 million are black, non-Hispanic. Then you have Hispanic origin, which is about 2.5 million. And then you have Asian Pacific, which is about a million. So the percentages, if you look at white, uh, black, and Hispanic, they're almost roughly around the same where white is being more, more dominant. So here's where it gets interesting. The police department, we currently have uniformed officers. I'm just, I'm just specifically talking about uh, NYPD. We have about 36,000 cops, okay? Um, of those cops that are white is 43%. That's almost half of the police okay. department that are white. And w I want to speak into what you said because a lot of those that are white, they go in into these urban areas and they don't understand the cultural context of what is happening there. And there's not, there's no training that goes into that element. Um, now for me, for myself being Hispanic, I grew up in Brooklyn. They put me right into a couple of blocks where I actually grew up. So I understood the people. Right. And it's meeting people right there. You see, Jesus, <laughs> he was a person that met people where they were at. Right. He had it's this um, this principle of Galilee where he wants to meet people where they were at and learn from them and grow with them. So I think um, that something that is something that has to change where more police officers need to come out of the areas where they are policing from so that they can have a better understanding of the people that live there. And um, it just shows in the numbers that that's not happening so no i would agree with that wholeheartedly again you know my, my testimony being exactly that you know not um you know not knowing how to handle certain things um you know sometimes you get over aggressive or you you handle things in ways to you know self-preservation yeah know, the bottom line is at the end of the day you want to go home to your wife and family and and you know when you go to work that's that i know that was the first thing in my mind that i was going to get home that night and uh, I was going to get home to my wife and my family. So if I felt threatened or if I didn't understand something or I was scared, that, that self-preservation mode is going to kick in. Yeah. And, and I think that's a part of a problem that, that needs to be uh, discussed and worked out. I agree with you in what you just said. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I heard this before, but it's the refusal to act when injustice is present itself is an act of injustice. So if there are police officers that are listening to me right now, I'm going to call you guys out. If there is injustice that is happening right in front of you, that blue line has to break, right? There's this blue wall of silence that, they, that everybody talks about. If you are called by my name, you are going to act for justice. And, you know, too many times... Um, I've never seen it for me personally, but I've heard where, you know, something happened in front of the police officer and they kept silent when injustice was there. Um, the refusal to act when injustice is present itself is an act of injustice. And just like the parable of um, the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, we have um, instinct instinctively limited who we are willing to reach out towards. So just like the Good Samaritan, you know, the Good Samaritan, you know, didn't have to help the person that was on the road. And sometimes we rather do it to people who look just like us or people to whom we have a personal 
preference over. But that's not God's creation agenda, you know? Um, and, you know, we need to rethink our interpretation of what Romans 13. And I know Christians, especially police officers and law enforcement, they're so quick to quote that scripture, right? Um, it's, right. it's this doctrine of the state. Um, and um, that has typically, it's been expressed by white evangelicals and modern Western Christianity that has tried to provide this theological justification for white blessing. And I heard that term uh, used recently by a preacher. Um, but the reality is that it subjugates the people uh, from colonization and enslavement. And because, you know, we use that Romans 13 to say, well, I have power or I have authority over you. Right. But the, right. Fo but the focal point has to be the voices from the margins, because, you know, it's not like God has placed us over anybody. God's just ordained us to work together in fellowship together, not to abuse authority, not to cross the line of our jurisdiction, because God is the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Right. But we are supposed to work together as a community and we need to properly understand that and break this invisible barrier. And we need to start having conversations like this, Pastor Andrew Moore, where the community understands what police officers go through, um, but also that we have a hard job, uh, but we want to work together with community. Very well said, Edwin. And let me just say this, you know, on the flip side of it, because I know that I'm sure there's some police officers who say, you know, you're right. There, we need to bridge the gaps in these areas, but this is something that I want to ask you about. Yeah. Um, video cameras. When mm. I was a police officer, there was no video cameras. Uh, when I was a police officer, there wasn't even cell phones. <laughs> we <laughs> had we had pagers and and phone booths. So and that just came out. You know, in in the in the 90s, before I I left the job was 97, and we just got pagers. So I couldn't even imagine people sticking a camera in my face constantly. Yeah, that's tough. And, and you know as well as I do, you can edit video. Yeah. So, um, you know, on the other end, you know, when, when you're making an arrest or if someone's whacked out on drugs or, or they're drunk and they're violent and, you know, being police officers, I'm a former police officer, and also being pastors, yeah. there's a spiritual component to this also. Um, I believe that some people are, are demonized and mm. it's not just the drugs or the alcohol. There's actually a, a demonic spirit attached to them, which makes them stronger than 10 men. I mean, I've yeah, wrestled yeah. with people. I'm a pretty big guy. You're a pretty big guy. And um, I had somebody 120 pounds soaking wet that I could not cuff because of the drugs or whatever, whatever other influences were, were with them or on them. So, a lot of times the public doesn't understand that. Yeah. And when you just watch a video and you see something that looks like a police officer being over aggressive yeah. or multiple police officers trying to get someone, yeah. let's speak to that. Because I think that's important also. Yeah. Let, let's tackle that thought. And wow, question. man, you're going, you're going right, right into it, man. That's why I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know what video, um, you know, obviously you have to be very careful and systematic on how you view uh, the videos because they don't always show you the totality of the beginning to the end. It's rare that you would actually see that. I don't know the percentages, but it really is rare that you'll see the whole entire video because we actually start uh, filming even before we get to the scene 
and even after the chaos has settled. So you could talk about an hour or two hours worth of footage, uh, depending on, on this on the scenario. Um, so the picture is not always clear, but sometimes the picture is clear. Um, you know, but unfortunately, you know, we are placed under a microscope, which is, you know, honestly, that I, that's okay. You know, I, um, I'm not, I'm not, a, if you know, you're not going to do anything wrong. If, if you know, if you know that your heart is, is, is pure before your motives and before your actions, you're not going to violate someone else's rights. Uh, those that, you know, um, is it something extra for us to carry? Absolutely. I mean, the belt is already 15 pounds, 20 pounds heavy. Uh, we already, you know, go out there with a lot of equipment on. Um, so even to maneuver that is, is, is a lot. Uh, but the videos that have been, um, have caused a lot of media attention. Um, but it's, it, it is a good thing as well. I'm going to play the advocate here because it does keep us accountable. And anyone that says that they don't want accountability is rogue. That's Just true. Straight out. Anyone, I mean, even biblically, there was accountability there. In every midst, there's a Judas. And even Jesus kept Judas accountable. And even Judas went out there, performed miracles, did everything possible, was there, and yet he was still accountable with everyone else, knowing that his intentions was to sacrifice Jesus. So, um, you know, videos, I think they're necessary, but sometimes they could get blown out of proportion. Yeah, no, I would agree with you on that. Absolutely. And, and um, there definitely is a higher level of accountability, that's for sure, because not even from the job, you guys have to wear the cameras too, right? The video cams, you still, yeah, the officers are wearing them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you, t at the end of your tour, everything you've done is on that video cam. Yeah, everything. Yep. Okay. It, it gets uploaded, I think, in somewhere cyberspace. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, go ahead. Thinking back, um, again, understanding the, the pressures and stresses of the job from the police side, just for people who were not police officers. You know, I just thought of something when we were talking about this many years ago. Um, I was making an arrest for somebody who had drugs on them. And it was just me and the individual. And we got into a, a scuffle and we wound up rolling around on the floor mm -hmm. and he was going for my gun and he had both of his hands on my gun and I was doing everything possible to stop him from pulling out my gun. Wow. So um, I took out my radio and, and I began to hit him with my radio to stop him from taking my gun out and, and shooting me with my own gun, which obviously... If he was grabbing for my gun, the first thing I was thinking of was if he grabbed it from me, he was going to shoot me with it because wow. he didn't want to get arrested. Wow. So, again, just the, the, the video of that, I, I'm thinking about this. If there was a video and you're seeing a cop roll around on the floor with somebody who, in this case, happened to be an African-American man, yeah. and, and I'm hitting him with a radio, but he's under me, so you cannot see that he's pulling, trying to pull my gun out of my holster. Yeah, you know, yeah. That stuff happens, too. Uh, yeah. So there's a fine line for, for what's right and what's wrong, Yeah. how to react and how to respond. Where do you draw the line to not being over-abusive but protecting your own life from somebody that yeah. might take your life if they're grabbing for your weapon? Yeah. Well, you know what? There's two things. you got to have common sense and you got to have street smarts. And right. you gotta have uh, you have a, you have to have the gift of gab a little bit. You have to be able to talk people down, 
in situations. Um, so a lot of the encounters that I had, the physical encounters of, of rolling, I've, I've haven't had too many because either it was my, my, my beautiful smile that put them <laughs> to side, or it was, um, I had good partners that were, and we were able to really talk to the people. Um, I, I attribute it to the spirit of God to just, uh, giving me the grace to talk to people. Uh, but you have to be versatile in your communication. Yes. And I think, um, the, because we wear the uniform, the automatic response is, I'm, you know, um, I don't trust you. Because honestly, we have failed. We have failed our community. And to build that trust back up is really, really going to be difficult. Um, we have a couple questions here. If you have any questions, uh, just yeah, sure. drop it down. Um, I see uh, Bob um, Fable, I think is your name is. Sorry if, if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, he said, I was selected to research and get cams installed in cars and I was harassed because they did not want them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's so true. Um, Heather Wrigley said, uh, what do you think the outcome will be from defunding the police? So I'm gonna let you answer that, Pastor Andrew. We're going to go back and forth with this. So, uh, <laughs> you, let's, uh, what are your uh, thoughts about that? What's going to be the outcome? Well, I think defunding the police is definitely not the answer. Um, you know, taking away funds to help provide um, protection for the people. Ultimately, police officers are peace officers. They're to protect and serve. So I, I think defunding the police, to me, is almost like a punishment. Um, but it's not a smart punishment because it's not going to accomplish anything good uh, for long-term progress and for change. I don't see how defunding law enforcement is going to do that on any level. I, I think that's more of a, a vengeance strategy, from mm. my opinion. Okay. And um, I don't think it'll work, to be quite honest with you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take it from a different, uh, a little, little different approach. So okay. I, I think the, the terminology of defunding scares people. I, I think when you hear that word, you're, you're automatically, it's this negative connotation that comes and says, you know what, I'm going to strip away things right. of you right the reality is supposedly um defunding means to reallocate certain funds to go into community projects now I, i'm all for that i think that's great um maybe the terminology could have been changed a little bit um and i don't know where the well for new york city it's it's one billion dollars i believe maybe 1.5 billion uh but i don't know where they're going to be taken away from. I know they canceled a uh, police class in July. So that does affect um, certain areas that are high crime risk because there's less cops there now. Right. Um, so, you know, but, you know, what it does to the cop's psyche, what it does to the cop's mind, it says, you know what? You guys are taking away things. You're pulling away things. I think that needs to be changed a little bit, and maybe it's the wording in that, but if it's going back into the community, which I really hope, and I really hope any politicians or any um, anyone that is watching here, make sure that happens. Make sure it goes into communities that need it the most. And it's not just a pop-up venue and it disappears in a matter of weeks. Let it be something that is sustainable 
So that when people go there, they know it's going to be there, whether that be a basketball camp, whether that be uh, a shelter or, or, or a place where families could go and gather items. Um, the problem is that, you know, even us as a church, sometimes we're not stationary enough, right? People don't know we're there. And, my, and I always ask the question, if they were to pick you up, if the church, if your church right now was not existent, would anybody even know? Would the community even know that a church building was even there? Um, so it's the same thing with the police department. If, you know, if, uh, if we don't do enough in the community, people are just going to see the exterior of us and not our interior motives. Yeah. That, that's a good point, Edwin. That's definitely a good point. Uh, you know, communication is the key and, and comprehension and understanding um, when we hear certain terms or certain things. And, and a lot of it causes anger because if you don't understand something clearly or if your perception is of it isn't correct, then it's going to cause anger and yeah. it's going to cause frustration. And yeah. I think there's such a disconnect right now um, in our nation, in the political realm, um, what's happening in law enforcement nationwide, there's a lot of anger and frustration because people um, see things through a certain lens. And, and there's a lot that goes into that, your upbringing, yeah. your culture, your your family history. You know, we all have perceptional truth. Yep. And then me and you as pastors, we know there's absolute truth. Oh, yeah. And perceptional <laughs> truth is, is what you perceive to be true. And then you got absolute truth which we know is the word and we stand on that as the word. So let me transition this just a little bit. Uh, I see one more question here um, from Teresa McCormick Bianco, 1 million uh, missing uh, from Mayor de Blasio's wife fund. I'm skeptical on how they're gonna allocate the money. Yeah, we don't know that yet. And again, this is where there's a communication breakdown and, and you're just hearing parts of something, not all of it. Edwin, do you wanna respond to that at all? Yeah, um, I think it's 1 billion. I don't know if it's just one million. Um, I think the police department has a six billion dollar budget. I think it's one billion of it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, you know, hopefully it could be reallocated into communities uh, that need it most. And um, you know, the the police department should be working with uh, community activists, should be working with the marginalized, uh, should be working with uh, services that are already within the framework of, of people. Um, you know, it, it's not just enough to enforce the law. We have to live by the law. We have to live and breathe it. We have to let people know that these laws are there to support you. These laws are there to help you. These laws are not there to hurt you. And I think, um, honestly, we need to do a better job at uh, letting people know that these laws are there to help and not to hurt. I see here Samuel Palacio says, we know that all cops are not, uh, all, not all cops are bad. That being said, what's your opinion on how we can properly deal with the bad eggs within the police force? <laughs> um, I'll let you start and then I'll, I'll okay. follow up with that one. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good question, Sam. Uh, so yeah. How, how do we deal with the, the bad ones? I think we, we call them out. We don't gloss over it. Uh, I agree. We, we don't gloss over it. I think uh, accountability structures need to be in place. Um, you know, 
And on both sides of the front, whether you're a sergeant, a lieutenant, someone in authority, but also community, if there is um, an officer that is doing things um, that is contradictory to the sworn oath that they were, um, you know, that they committed to, I think they need to at least be brought in and have a, have a conversation. And depending on the circumstance, then actions need to be taken um, after the fact. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. And uh, I totally agree. I agree also with that. We, we got to call them out. We, we can't allow um, bad behavior to be tolerated because it's just going to infect other people. And then, you know, you mentioned earlier about that, that blue line. You know, sometimes there's peer pressure. Um, I know with me, let, let me transition a little bit. Um, when I became a Christian, when, when I accepted Christ halfway through my police career and my heart began to change, one of the things I struggled with was working with other officers. If I saw somebody did something that I thought was questionable or not right, now what do I do about that? How yeah. do I deal with that on a personal level? And I, I know that's an issue yeah. on, on some level um, with other officers. You know, how do I handle guys if I'm working with them or if I'm on a job with them yeah. and something's done yeah. unprofessionally or done in a way that that is not right? How do I deal with that? So. That, that is something that is a real issue also um, in regard. I know for me it was um, when I, you know, became a Christian and really started trying to live the right way and, and treat people the right way when yeah. I saw things. So what I did was I wound up getting a detail by myself. I went into CPOP, community policing, where I wasn't working directly with anyone. And then I went into another detail before I left the job because for me, I, I just... I struggled with that a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. I think. Uh. You know. Someone asked a question. Uh. Michael Murphy. What do we do with the bad eggs in the community? Well, I could tell you what we would do in Brooklyn, but I don't know if <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. But um. Yeah. What do we do with that bad eggs? We keep everybody accountable. I mean, you know, creation. Um. God created for you know this world for us and you know what um it's uh it's up to us to keep it um in the form of paradise that it was intended unfortunately that's not the case uh <laughs> right now uh but i believe in restoration i believe right now that even some of you that are even watching th this show um this broadcast uh god is restoring elements in your life that maybe it could be a marriage it could be a relationship. It could be a sin that you've been dealing with. It could be an ideology that conflicts with your spiritual beliefs. But whatever it is, God is restoring the broken pieces of your life. And I believe God could uh, do that if we all come together and we could, you know, hold hands and uh, hold hands together and we could see change. But we need to be the change. It's faith and action. Faith and, right. faith and action have to be put into work, you know. Um, yes, we do have faith and, and we believe, and I think that's that's crucial for us. Um, but also, you know, James talks about, you know, uh, putting things to work as well. And there needs to be this healthy biblical balance between faith and action, between our community and our cops. And um, I believe it can't, restoration can happen. Yeah, you know, you know everything's a heart change. You know, when, when, when your heart's right, your alignments are right, your attitude's right, and then your behavior becomes right. Yeah. And um, it, it's got to start with you. Yeah. You know, so many times we could blame other people 
um, especially when you're stressed out and, and you're seeing things that are negative a lot. And if you work in an eight house like, like I did and I did, uh, you know, you're going to see things that can really mess with your head and and cause traumatic stress and, you know, yeah. PTSD and critical incident stress. And, yeah. You know, in, in my case, even suicidal, you know, where there's there's suicidal thoughts and tendencies oh, yeah. because of the issues of life and the issues of the job. But, you know, yeah. both of us are a living example. Yeah, that's good. When you have Christ in your life. When God really becomes personal and real to you, yep. you really do get a heart change. Yeah. And with the heart change comes an attitude change, and then you get an eyesight change. You no longer <laughs> see uh, through the lens yeah. of your upbringing or your prejudices yeah. or your, your learned behaviors or experiences. You start to see people the way God sees them. And, and I just want to say something here right now. You know, I was always a, a, a straight up guy. When I was a cop, I was a tough guy. I didn't, I didn't take any garbage from anyone. And as a man of God, a lot of times people think, well, Christians are wimpy and weak. And that means that you have no backbone. And no, it does not mean that at all. Yeah. It means that you stand for what's right and, and, and you live righteously in yeah. a way where you're representing God and you're representing the people correctly. One of my favorite stories in scripture is Luke seven, the Roman centurion. Yeah. And, I love that story for so many reasons, but there's two things in that story that really jump out. One is that he was loved by the Jews who he uh, served and protected as um, an officer in that community. When meanwhile, Romans and Jews basically hated each other, but this centurion not only respected the people in his community, he loved them and, and gave money to build their sanctuary. It mm. So when, when his servant was sick, and he asked some of the, the Jews in the community if they would go to Jesus on his behalf. They were ready, willing, and able and, and wanted to because of the way he policed his community. That's there good. was respect. There was love. There was adoration. He even invested in his community and yeah. he understood authority. And, and to be in a position of authority and to exercise authority well, you have to know how to submit to authority. That's good. And I man. think that's a huge problem yeah with, with a lot of people they don't understand that yeah so um i'm only speaking to that but um for those that are watching please put your questions um we are yes, answering we're answering questions but also to uh share this broadcast with someone that needs to hear it yes. um really right now just wherever you are click that share button and um there's somebody out there out of your friends list that maybe has has a question. Uh, we want to be here to facilitate that. So just you know, share it out. Um, so yeah. So uh, speaking into that, uh, Pastor Andrew, you know, Matthew eight, we see Jesus's uh, Galilean ministry to the centurion servant, um, and in regards to the healing. And I love how he responds to Jesus. He says, "Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. That's right. For I am a man what under authority." And, and the Greek word for that is jurisdiction. So here we have this this Gentile centurion who we yep. could affirm as kind of like our senior officer on the scene. And he recognizes the disparity, um, a feeling that today, you know, um, some of us have been feeling between communities uh, and police. And this is the first occurrence of healing at a distance. Where, awesome. where both of them are under authority, Jesus and the centurion, and um, is where I really believe that faith triumphs over injustice. And that 
uh, you know, this racial divide that has plagued our, our country um, for 400 years and, and Jim Crow for, you know, almost 90 years and stuff like that. Um, you know, God has given us the authority to, you know, um, to deal with, you know, the land and the country that he's given us. We need to start being held accountable, but we also need to start doing it in love. And I, and I think that's the, the element. You know, in the Greek word love, there's there's five, there's five or more different uh, versions right. of of love. M imagine that God loved you so much, not to just give you one word. He gave you a multiplicity of, of words so that we can enact that. Because if you love the least of these, you've loved me. And if you've done something for the least of these, you've done it for me. Um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I see some questions here. Yeah, Renee, Renee writes something very nice here. She writes, uh, spiritual, we can't overlook the spirit of lawlessness. Unfortunately, there is a spirit of lawlessness in the earth, and we need God's hand and revelation to move and act. Lawlessness is demonic, and God has asked me in many situations to pray. As a PO, there is many things I can't participate in, but I have seen the spirit of love take over really intense moments at my job. We have to acknowledge God in our jobs, and he will give us wisdom wow. in a balanced way. Come on, Renee. Renee, I want to say thank you for that comment, first of all. Yeah, and good. I, I can't agree more. I mean, I wrote a book about my testimony. It's called Transform. Um, if you want, you, you, I'm gonna, my son will put the link up there. Edwin wrote a book uh, about his life. God, when he changes your heart, he gives you that right perspective. He gives you the ability to pray and prayer is powerful. When you intervene in a circumstance where there's there's a moment to act and you call upon God, the scriptures tell us that God not only hears our prayers, but he responds to our prayers. Yeah. So praying, um, I remember so many situations where I walked into where I prayed with people, prayed mm. with husbands and wives that were fighting, prayed with kids when their parents left. Yeah. One, one instance, I'll never forget this little girl, her mom, was taken away because of dr a drug overdose and social services came in to take her and she grabbed onto my leg and she said, police officer, please, please don't let them take me, please. And that just broke my heart. I had, my son was about the same age as this little girl and I grabbed her and I said, listen to me, you have to pray mm. and you have to ask God yeah. and believe in God that he's going to bring your mommy back and he's going to help you. And, um, I remember following through with that little girl, the grandma wound up taking her and eventually her mother got out of jail and got cleaned up and there was a restoration and a healing wow. there. So as police officers, when we intervene with prayer, yeah. when we care good. about the people we're policing yeah. and we take an interest in them and yeah. go the extra yard, yeah. that's what good police officers do. That's what godly police officers do. That's good. And that's what God called godly police officers to do. That's to not just be there to break things up or to lock people up, that's good, but man. to help bring mm. change and healing and hope. So praise God. Amen. Edwin, why don't you put your, your book, talk a little bit about your book and let's, let's promote that too. So people can, can hear your story also. Sure. Sure. Like, um, so like, again, if you guys have any questions, please put it. We see some more questions coming in. Um, I don't have nowhere to go <laughs> tonight right now. So, uh, share this broadcast. Um, yes ask your questions uh yeah my book is called restoring the walls <laughs> it's it's kind of exactly what we're going through right now right um and i take it from the theme of nehemiah 
uh, a matter of fact, this week, it'll be two years ago since I wrote that book. Um, if you, you could go on Amazon and just go, you could just search for restoring the walls, but, um, it's a book about Nehemiah where walls come in all shapes and sizes. There's physical, spiritual, and emotional walls. There's walls that we put up in our, to, to our spouses. There's walls that we put up in law enforcement. There's walls that we put up to kind of fake what we look like. Right. Um, but what God does and God's grace is that he fortifies and he strengthens the walls that we need and God's spirit tears down the ones that have caused injustice. Awesome. And and the Restoring the Walls is a spiritual disciplines book that actually just helps you. I, I literally wrote that book out of tears <laughs> because I was going through the process of restoration. And, and, I, and I believe that that book has, um, it takes you to a blueprint, you know, like when you construct a house, you get a schematic and you get a blueprint of what it's, it looks like before it's built. And what this does, it gives you that spiritual blueprint and that spiritual schematic so that you'll be able to construct your life as the way that God intended you, not the way that society has told you you need to look like, right? Um, so that's th- that's the book. Okay, I see uh, Ryan. Thank you for uh, for sharing it. Um, but yeah, so I wrote that out of that, and um, because you know what what I wanted to do, Pastor Andrew, is I wanted to recognize the truth. I wanted to recognize what the truth was, and if we cannot recognize the truth, then it cannot liberate us from the untruth. Awesome. When we need to understand that. If we cannot recognize the truth, then it cannot liberate us from the untruth. James Cone said that in his book, uh, God of the Oppressed. Um, but I, I want to. I see a comment from Naomi here, which I think is really. She, good. yeah, Naomi, appreciate you. you. Sure, yeah, she's a she's a she's a Fuller uh, student, so glad to have her and the Queens native. So Naomi writes, uh, "What would you say to police officers who feel unsupported or perhaps betrayed by their church?" Because their home church has joined in protest for Black Lives Matter against police brutality. Wow, that is a loaded question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna personally ask that because <laughs> um, this past week we got involved. Our church family was involved with a prayer march act protest, right? Uh, which is really the churches coming together um, and standing up. So, and you know what? I'm gonna keep it real. For, for those that are listening, uh, some of my friends, not, not, not believers, but they question cop friends, say, why are you doing that? Why are you joining this prayer protest uh, if you're a police officer? And that was, that, was, that was a hard pill for me to swallow uh, coming from them uh, because, you know, they know my heart. And what I said to them was this. I said, you know, God looks at the inward God does not look at the outward. So what you're seeing is sometimes is being distorted by your view. And this disunity needs to stop. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be the change. I'm going to be the change. If no one else is going to do it, who but me? Being a minority, a pastor, and a police officer, I want to stand for change. I want to stand for injustice. I want to stand for cops. I want to stand in the middle and be a bridge where there's been this disconnect. So if this is something that can bring about this resolution and this change and this redemption story to come to pass, then you know what? I'm going to do it. And um, But I think that churches that don't support 
uh, just to answer Nomi's question, that uh, don't support um, police officers or, or they feel betrayed. Um, man, I don't know. Find another church. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that a lot recently. You know, I have a cousin in Florida and, uh, you know, she's a police officer. So is her husband. And she told me that they dropped out of a Bible study because they felt like their pastor was was being negative towards police. And, um, you know, in her words, over sympathetic towards those who were against police. And I think that's an issue. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that, you know, pastors need to be sensitive to also that they have police officers and police officers, families in their congregation, and they have to be sensitive to how they address these things and, and communicate well in responding so that there's no open-ended questions that could be offenses. I, I think that's important. Yeah, that's good. Um, do we have any more questions? I see. Uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, just throw them out there. Uh, share this broadcast. I guess we're going to be on for a, a few more moments. Right, Pastor Andrew? Yeah, yeah, we got we got some more time. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Find another church. If your church is, is not supporting you um, for things that you're not standing up against, then it doesn't support kingdom dynamics and kingdom ethics and what the gospel is really intended for. Um, you know, it's reading the Bible from the margins and it's learning to do that. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter is against the police. Um so I think that there's a difference there between the organization and the movement. I think the movement is great. I think the movement um, is just there to uh, continue to strive towards justice. I think the organization has certain things. If you look at their, um, their specific belief structure and what they believe in and what they promote and stuff like that, biblically there is inerrancy. In, in what they they hold so um as far as the organization that um you know that i would not stand with but as far as the movement itself definitely and you know honestly i, I don't think black lives matter movement um hates the police necessarily I think they just, uh, they're tired of the institution that has failed them for so many years and police just represent that you know, we're just a representation of that. Yeah, Bob's putting up about annual qualifications. Yeah, Bob, I'm certified in PTSD, critical incident stress, suicide awareness and prevention, peer-to-peer -peer support. Yes, um, I know I'm a chaplain, pastor, and also a chaplain with the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team. I've spoken at conferences for the Billy Graham that represent law enforcement in different states. Um, so yes, I know we're both qualified as pastors. Yeah. So yes, we do have uh, qualifications and yeah. I do get annual qualifications. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if you're a current police officer, you do get um, <laughs> right now, there's so, so many tra training, um, but it's still not enough, honestly. Um, you know, we get obviously gun uh, qualified a couple of times a year. Uh, we get uh, tactics, training, um, a couple times a year. Uh, but those trainings don't last long. You know, it's like if you read the Bible and you only read it for five minutes a, a week or so, does that mean that you're a scholar, a New Testament scholar, right? It's, it's, it doesn't do that. It's, you ha we have to have this 
submerged mentality. I need to submerge myself in God's word in order to rightly divide it, uh, to have proper interpretation, and then to carry it out. Same thing goes with law enforcement. Um, you know, if law enforcement are just going to these annual tr- once a day uh, yearly um, training, that's not really enough. It's not. And, and it doesn't make us a specialist in those areas. Uh, what it makes up us doing is uh we need more training in those areas um so yeah that's what i I would say to that yeah god's word is the best training you better believe it god's (laughs) word is definitely the best training yeah Um, yeah that's good no no doubt about it and and you got to read reflect and respond upon it and you know one thing i learned in the police academy many years ago repetition reinforces retention the three r's Mm. so if you want to learn something, you got to read it over and over again and get it from your head to your heart. That's the 18-inch difference. Yeah. And when it goes from your head to your heart, then it's locked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let, let me just share another little side note here. You know, as pastors, our heart is uh, for people to, to love God and to love one another. That's God's heart. Jesus said yeah. this, the two greatest commandments was love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you can honor those two commandments, you've summed up all the teaching in the law. So what does that mean? You can't overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. So, you know, I see some people making comments on here about certain things. Let me just say this. You do not fight fire with fire. What's going to happen is you're going to have an explosion. That's good. You fight fire with, with love and with wisdom. Yeah. And that doesn't mean weakness. Yeah. Um, so many times people equate weakness with meekness. Being mm. meek does not mean being weak. It means knowing who you are and standing for truth and justice and not being moved. Um, you know, so many times when we're angry or frustrated about something, we act out and we want to lash out. And and that's how we feel we're getting our justice or our mm. vengeance. But but that doesn't work. Just look at the political realm. I don't want to get into politics here tonight and I'm not going to, but just look at the political realm and it's a constant back and forth attack. You know, nothing gets accomplished when you do things that way. You know, the heart of God is love. That's good. And to love God and to love people is the key component to change and victory. Yeah. And and that's so important. And I I just want you to understand that. Yeah. Um, You know, being a former cop, living my life for 55 years, seeing a lot of things, going through some real personal hardships and tragedy in my life. You know, I've learned some things Mm. and I've learned this, that you don't overcome evil with evil, but you overcome evil with good. Yeah. And and that's God's heart. Yeah. And until we learn that we have the ability to choose what is good. Yeah. And not only do we have the ability to choose it, but if you know God, if you're a Christian, you have the power to live it. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Yeah. And Christ in you gives you the power to conquer sin and evil. So yeah. we overcome evil by doing good, yeah. not by fighting fire with fire. And, yeah. you know, that's that's what I've learned over the years. And that's how I keep my heart clean. That's yeah. how I don't live in frustration yeah. and confusion and yeah. anger. Because every day is a gift. And yeah. if you look at life that way, I say something every day when I wake up. It's another day to live to love and to serve. Yeah. And and if you have that mindset, you're going to be able to live your life with peace in your heart and enjoy you even in the midst of craziness, you can rise above it 
when you're living the way God calls you to live by the Holy Spirit's power. So I just want to inject that. That's in good. This because you, you're talking to two pastors here. And some of you that are coming on, I don't know what your background is. Yeah. I don't know what your church, your, your belief system is. But I'm telling you from experience. Yeah. I was that angry, mean, prejudiced cop who used to jump out of cars, fight with people, punch people's windows in, do a whole bunch of crazy stuff because I had a lot of anger and resentment and bitterness in me until I came to Christ. And when God yeah. dealt with me personally and changed my heart, I saw different, which made me act different and live different. And I'll tell you what, I never want to go back to that old guy. I yeah. thank God for the freedom <laughs> that's found in Christ and in living in love, not by hate or revenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good. Um, you know, it was only the Samaritan that saw the wounded stranger enacted. And I think um, having that heart, that Samaritan mindset to say when my brother or sister is hurting, I hurt. When my brother or sister is dealing with a specific uh, issue, whether it be systemic racism, whether it be, um, you know, a financial need, I want to hurt alongside with you. And I think as Christians, we've kind of glossed over that part of the Bible. And uh, you end hatred by repenting and believing the gospel. That's you know, how, that's a, how you end hatred. I'm doing a series on the book of Philippians, and I was in chapter 3 for, uh, this past week. And, you know, Paul, throughout that whole book, was in prison, mm. was in chains. And all he did, instead of complaining and arguing and fighting with his jailers, he, he preached the gospel to them. That's he good. sent letters to the churches telling them, that God was doing great things in the midst of his imprisonment and he had joy and peace while he was in prison. If that doesn't talk about liberty or freedom and having a mindset uh, of, of love, yeah. what does? And you know, Philippians 4.4, 4, yeah. I love that verse. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, yeah. rejoice. Yeah. And if you've been freed in your heart, you have uh -huh. the ability to rejoice. If you've been forgiven, for your sins and your offenses. Now you have the ability and the obligation to forgive others and learn how to fight in the spirit, not just in the flesh with words, but yeah. how to truly repent and turn and how to forgive and release offenses yeah. and offenders. That's where true freedom comes in. Yeah. Anger and bitterness keeps you in more bondage and keeps you in prison more than anything else. And, and when people live that way and, and choose to fight that way, they're angry all the time. That used to be me. And I thank God for the freedom that comes yep. through Christ and comes through receiving forgiveness. The power of forgiveness is giving you the power to receive it and then to give it. Yeah. And there's total freedom in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you guys have any questions, drop them there below. If you know someone specifically that you would want to hit us, tag their name in the, uh, in the comment section. Um, yeah, M Michael Murphy, uh, you have a couple questions here. Kind of want to get to you. You said um, when Christians were persecuted by Paul, they retreated. Um, it's necessary now for the police to retreat for self-preservation. Um, I don't think we should have a abandon the ship mentality. I think uh, if anything, uh, we need to be a light in the midst of darkness. Um, and I I'm just talking to me as a Christian and as a police officer. Um, but I would say and recognize that, you know, we need to stay and fight our battles. Imagine if David 
going against Goliath said, you know what, it, um, Israel, you, you guys got this. <laughs> I'm just going to not pay attention to and not listen to the spirit of God inside of me, not have a, a, a heart after God, and I'm going to let you fight the Goliaths. Um, yeah, history would have definitely been changed if that was the case. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I guess you said I appreciate what you guys are saying. However, neither you nor I worked in conditions where those who are to lead you lead you into persecution and death. Yeah, uh, some people may feel that our leadership for police officers is leading us into um, a death sentence because the laws that once protected everyone for police officers, at least they feel like um, there's no hope for cops anymore. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true um, until those laws get enacted, uh, but we are seeing a paradigm shift in a lot of uh, the laws that are changing and um, structures in the police department right now where you can't press your knee on someone's chest or back anymore. Like that's, you know, that's a thing. Um, which, you know, uh, I saw a YouTube video, someone that was trained in Bra Brazilian jiu-jitsu that said that it is almost physically impossible unless like you have some martial arts background to try to take somebody without either getting a knee or an elbow or something to compress them or to hold them down. Um, so, you know, that is something that uh, we have to work with uh, as law enforcement um, officers. So it's, it is a difficult task to, to police when, you know, there's this, um, there's just this, uh, just not backing, I guess, if you want to say, um, from, you know, the mayors and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, you know what? We covered a lot of ground. I, yeah, I man. Listen, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I think we did good, man. Definitely want to pray this out and just want to give, um, everyone here. Thank you guys for, for watching this. Um, yes. yeah, I think this has been a great conversation. I'd love to do this again. Uh, and Edward, let's let's do it again definitely yeah let's, yeah let's yeah yeah i think this is good i really hope this gets syndicated to uh new york post or whatever people need to <laughs> people need to hear this uh because you know it's only through the love of god that's going to triumph um it, it's only by the grace of god that is going to deconstruct those walls it's only by god's grace that we're going to be able to bring the unification process uh to a whole um i believe that and if you guys could believe that with me, I think we can all be the community that God has intended for one body, right? For, for Christ, um, being united together. Uh, I think that's a possibility. Uh, so if we could get a little heaven on earth right now, I say we join together and we do it. Why not? Awesome. Edwin, why don't you uh, share some final closing thoughts and a prayer and then, then I'll do the same. Sure. And we'll, we'll wrap up until we do this again. Yeah, um, man, I mean, there's just so much. Uh, one of my favorite books is um, called uh, The Mortification uh, of Sin. And um, when, what, what John Owen said there, he said, uh, be killing sin or, or it will be killing you. Um, when I think about that, I said, you know, it's the sin of this world that has caused detrimental damage 
to not just our physical, but even our spiritual, not just cause sin has kind of serpented its way into the lives of people, into our communities, into our um, affairs, into our laws, into the totality of this world. The only way we're going to be killing sin is if we mortify the flesh, if we crucify the flesh daily, if we take up our cross. It sounds so, um, so simple, right? Uh, but taking up our cross means dying to ourselves. Taping, taking up our cross means saying that um, I'm going to follow God's kingdom directive and I'm going to do everything I can so that people could receive hope and, and good news. So I just pray uh, right now that those that listen to the sound of my voice, maybe that's you right now. Um, and I want to speak into your life. Maybe that's you saying, you know what, Pastor Eddie, Pastor Andrew, um, there's areas in my life that I know I shouldn't be harboring. There's things in my life that I know I need to let out. Um, I just pray right now that God's grace will sustain you, that you commit yourself totally to him because it happens with you and with me. And, you know, if we humble ourselves, this nation will be exalted. If we humble ourselves before the king of kings, we're going to see change in this land. I believe it. So with that, uh, would you all agree with me in prayer? God, thank you for this time that we can just come together. We, God, we, we hold the truth of your word that has been evident in our lives since creation. God, that you have done the miraculous, that you are continuing to pour out your spirit on all flesh. No one is eliminated from that process. So God, I thank you and I just plead the blood that never loses its power. I pray that grace will abound much. I'm believing that those that are listening right now to this prayer, God, that you will shake their foundation to say, I want to see change enacted in my city. I want to see change enacted in my land. I'm believing that, God, you're going to come down, and, Lord, that you have called us each by name to do the impossible. And maybe before us, God, this may seem like an impossible task. Maybe racism is something that in our flesh, God, we're saying it's impossible. Well, there's nothing impossible because you have broken the bondages and you are continuing to break the divide. You're continuing to unify through your spirit. And I just pray that we will grow in grace and in wisdom and give us the authority to do so because you have already decreed it. By your name. Thank you for your promises that are yes and amen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Edwin, for that prayer. And, and to those that are out there listening and watching, um, I hope you were blessed. I hope you were encouraged. I hope that you learned something and received something from hearing uh, Edwin and, and myself share from our different perspectives and experiences and backgrounds, and, and let me just say this, and I, I wanna speak this into you if you're watching. There's always hope. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 3.20. And Ephesians 3.20 says this, for God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could hope or even dare to dream of. That's beyond human limitations. It's beyond human comprehension. So when you truly have faith and, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things not seen, then you're gonna trust God and believe that because he cares, because he loves us, 
He's not going to allow things to continue to go the way they're going. We must live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So I want to pray and encourage you today, those that are listening. If you're on the job, if you're a police officer right now, there's hope. Uh, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lose heart. If God is for you, who can be against you? Right. Nothing or no one. And know this, the kingdom comes from within. If you're born again, the kingdom of God lives in you. And everything you need comes from Christ. The Bible says in Christ, you're a new creature, a new creation. All things pass away and all things become new. I am a believer in restoration, transformation, and change because I lived it. Once again, I was that angry, mean, prejudiced cop who had no hope and who thought of taking his life on a route many years ago. But God had mercy and grace upon me. God saved me and delivered me. He changed my heart. He changed my life. He gave me new eyes to see and new ears to hear. And more importantly, he gave me a new heart. Mm. And my policing after my salvation totally changed. I cared about my community I worked in. I cared about the people who I was to protect and serve. And God used me to, to help people. And I was getting helped as I was doing it. So don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Have faith. Trust God. Pray. I don't know how much you pray, but prayer is powerful. The Bible says in James 15 that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Yeah. Prayer changes things. So I'm just going to close with a word of prayer and, and just receive it by faith. Father, I just thank you for this time with Edwin on these airwaves. I thank you for every person that is on right now, has been listening and watching us. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak to people's hearts. And those that need hope, I pray you would impart hope. Those that need healing, I pray, Father, you would bring healing. Father, for those who are angry and frustrated and bitter and confused, Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would bring wisdom and clarity and freedom to the mind and, more importantly, to the heart. And Father, we thank you. Your word says what we ask in faith and believe, we shall receive it in the name of Jesus. And we know that the hope for law enforcement, the hope for this nation rests in our relationship with you. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the work that you have begun in us, we know you're able to complete it. Touch each person, bless them, strengthen them, increase them during this time. And Father, we ask this in faith. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen. Amen. Edwin, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for joining me. This was fun. It was. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you, your service to the to the community as a police officer in Thank New you. York City. Thank you. Um, 17 years. 17 years. 17 years. You got oh, a few more to go. A few more. <laughs> God bless you. And, and your service as a pastor for V1 Church. And, and once again, I, I encourage you to get Edwin's book. It's You're going to see the link online. Get his book. Follow him Thank you. on his page. Tell them where, you, where they can follow you and, and listen to your broadcast, Edwin. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, if you guys go to uh, breachingthewalls.org, um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the, uh, in the uh, description. Um, you'll be able to... Uh, to follow me i do blogs and uh articles and uh teachings and all that so 
uh, breachingthewalls.org. And um, yeah, the book you can get on Amazon. But thank you again, Pastor Andrew. Uh, so honored and privileged. Um, you know, I, I'm envious of you because you're retired already. <laughs> so I'll be getting there uh, shortly. But um, thank you for having me here again uh, on behalf of myself, my family, uh, V1 Church. Thank you for having us here. And we can't wait to do it again. You're welcome. And thank you once again. And for those that are watching, uh, check out our my page, Andrew Columbia. Uh, ministries. I'm on Facebook. You know, I wrote a book called Transformed. It's my testimony. I think it'll be very encouraging for the times that we're living in for officers and their family members to read that book. I believe that there's hope and healing through what God did in my life. And whenever you want to know if something's true, just look at the, the if it was battle tested through time. There you um, go. That happened almost 30 years ago. Uh, I'm not angry no more. I didn't kill myself. I'm serving God. I'm a pastor. Uh, loving God and loving people. Amen. And, and I just want to say up to all of you, God bless you. Amen. And know this, if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing or no one. That's on the inside, my friends. That's right. God bless you. And we'll be with you again. All right. God bless yeah. you.